Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode five of the Common Sense Finance Podcast. Yep, big milestone. We hit the big five right here. So I'm Anthony. I'm with my friend here, Nick. Hello, everyone. And um, we're excited to talk about some topics today. So another interesting week in in the market. market. So we're going to go over some market news, market heavy news this podcast, if I say so myself. So first we're going to talk about Robinhood. Caught up in some controversy, big scandal. It was a big data breach. We're talking about that. Amazon Prime Day, how we feel the Prime Day went. Banks reported their Q3 earnings and it was pretty shocking. Pretty shocking uh, announcements were made. Then the unemployment report came out this week. Unfortunately, it was not good. It beat expectations, but in the wrong way. Yes. Uh, Apple announced a new line of products. Yeah. We were fortune seers with this one coming. And then for personal finance related stuff, Nick is going to go touch up on some tax related information, deductions and credits. And then we're going to discuss how the COVID pandemic has affected the rich and the poor. Yeah. And we're going to discuss stuff about that and then we're going to discuss the difference between an asset and the liability but first we're going to go back to the top of the card and let's talk about robin hood so nick robin hood we were just talking about this before the podcast started <laughs> robin hood was hacked over 2,000 accounts were breached by hackers and they say the accounts were ranging from as low as a few thousand to as high as a half a million dollars half a million so nick uh what, what, what are your thoughts about this? Well, I want to start off as that I do use Robinhood as a daily brokerage app. I mean, does it scare me? I mean, yeah, but, you know, everything's – and anyone could have gotten, you know, hacked with any, any brokerage, right? Um, I just feel that Robinhood didn't take the necessary steps or the or, – or, like, good steps to come back this or, you know, like communicate with its customers regarding this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. They don't have a customer hotline. They do not. They have no, you cannot contact IT or Robinhood support through phone. It's just a customer and, service email. And this was one of the biggest issues the platform had prior to this. And I'm a big believer in Robinhood. I, I'm not, okay. I'm not a, daily user of Robinhood. My main brokerage is not with that. The only stock I have in Robinhood is the free stock I get from the promotions. <laughs> Guys, if you want a free stock, I might uh, drop my referral code in the uh, the description of this video. But yeah, I'm not a big user of Robinhood, but I love the platform. I still use it for stock market related news. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a major misstep. They really advanced the platform on various different levels. They added the, the debit card, the, the cash management accounts. You got fractional shares. Yeah. You had the drip program. And I was like, okay, Robinhood's getting in a promising, it's going in a promising direction. They launched Every, the newsletter. The, news, the newsletter, the podcast that they yeah. have. Everything was going in the right direction. And I'm like, okay. The next thing they need to do is add an IRA, add some retirement plans, and then pro- maybe add a contact line because I know that was a big issue. 
personally, like, I was like, okay, who really calls IT support? Like, who really needs it? I guess mm-hmm. I was wrong because now it would be needed. very needed at the moment. And just to emphasize how serious this is. So I came across a CNBC article. Uh, I was just telling Nick about this before the podcast started. Hackers look to buy brokerage logins on the dark web with Robinhood fetching highest prices. There are dozens of brokerage logins uh, for sale on, on the dark web. And that's crazy. I think people are really starting to target <laughs> Robinhood accounts. And that may yeah. be a deterrent for many people who are either using it or looking to use a brokerage. It chimes back into ethics like we spoke about in the last podcast. Exactly. And it's like you said, you mentioned it uh, briefly. This could have happened to any brokerage. It just so happened that it happened to Robinhood. And it opens their eyes for everyone else. It opens their, one, it does that. But two, I think many people might have a negative perception of Robinhood security. Yeah. Even though it could have been anyone. Could have been anyone. I mean, also, like, you know, it's sad to say, and, you know, it really shouldn't be said, but you get for what you pay for. <laughs> but. Nothing. <laughs> exactly, nothing. But, you know, that goes to say with other brokerages. Like, I have, you know, a JP Morgan account, a brokerage account, and, you know, I don't pay any fees either, but, you know, JP Morgan is a well established financial institution. Robinhood is just some company. Silicon Valley, just doing yeah. the thing, helping college students primarily. Yeah, so it should be interesting how this all plays out. I still am very optimistic about Robinhood. I, the advocate of Robinhood. This could be a great opportunity for some of its competitors to step up, like Weeble and those Weeble. kind of online brokerages. Because Offer eight free stocks instead of four. Yeah, let's. Guys, if you want five free stocks, uh, I'll drop my referral code in the description of this video. But we're talking about online brokerages and all this. Let's talk about the an online retailer. So Amazon yep. just finished its Prime Day, which is really two days. I don't know why it's called Prime Day anymore because it's, days. it's 48 hours. So... We I don't think the numbers came out necessarily for Prime Day because it just like I think it's ending as we speak. But yeah. from my perspective, I went on the app for a little bit just to you know window shop, I guess. And I really I I feel like I don't know if this is just a, this is just me, my personal preference. I just never find anything I want that's on sale. Nick, do you, do you do you feel that way too? No, no, I I definitely agree. And I spoke with my coworkers yesterday, and they said the same exact thing. I was like, "Oh, like, have you guys bought anything?" They're like, "No, no, nothing really interested me." Yeah, I go, like, nothing really interests me. All right, I found an article. CNN Business says Amazon just had its biggest Prime Day ever. That's uh, really, yeah. 
Let me see. That's interesting. What happened? No, that it's the biggest. It was the biggest Prime Day I mean, ever. I did buy things. Like I bought, you know, a new router, a new Wi-Fi um, router. And I bought battery packs. Uh, like, you know, the, the, you know, to charge your phone with. Mm-hmm. The power banks. But that's that's the only thing, really. Um, like, I already have an Echo Dot. I don't need another one. Like, like it was primarily, like, for Amazon products, really. There wasn't really anything big or, you know. Like, yeah. like, like the featured page is all Amazon products. Like, yeah. is it just Amazon products? I was confused for a second. Yeah, I think, like, that's a, a whole other issue in itself. That's the whole, like, the next monop- monopoly thing. We can <laughs> discuss that in a little bit. But I have a quote from Jeff Wilk. He's the Amazon CEO of Worldwide uh, Consumers. He said, we are thrilled that Prime Day was a record-breaking event for small and medium businesses worldwide, yeah. with sales surpassing $3.5 an increase of nearly 60% from last year. 60%? Yes. That's a big number. Yeah, Amazon highlighted that it would invest $18 billion this year to help small and medium-sized businesses succeed in its stores and design this Prime Day to support small businesses even more, including funding a promotion that helped drive over $900 million in sales for small businesses in the two weeks leading up to Prime Day. So Prime Day, I guess, they had the focus of helping out these small businesses. Yeah, especially now. It's it's kind of ironic that Amazon's the reason why a lot of these smaller businesses are going out of business in the first place. But I mean, in this in this case, I guess the pandemic did more damage than Amazon has. But that's interesting. And not just small, not even small businesses, big businesses too, right? Yeah, Seriously. I want to. Yeah, so <laughs> I said this to Nick. I in the mail this week. I got a an Amazon Christmas catalog, and as soon as I saw it, I was like. This is Sears cat. The Sears catalog was like the biggest thing, and I'm I'm flipping through these pages. It's like I'm, I felt like I was like eight years old again, going through one of these like department store catalogs. Like it looked like a mix between Sears and Toys R Us. Like for a catalog, they had the Legos advertised and action figures everywhere, and like clothing and all these different things. And I just found it funny how Amazon basically put both companies out of business. And they just stole the whole concept now. I thought it was interesting. I think it was a good idea on their part because just the nostalgia alone made me want to buy, made me want to buy something. <laughs> so. But you made an interesting point before, like when you were talking about this, that the shipping, shipping in, your, in your personal experience actually uh, hasn't gotten a little better. Definitely from uh, our first podcast. When we were talking about Amazon, yeah, they were they were on on the on the bad side of things, but now now they're fixing themselves. I like Prime Day, right? I bought the router and the power bank. They said you know they'll be coming Thursday. I bought them Tuesday. I received them Wednesday. Like like I got a notification. It was like your items have been delivered. I was like, what items? I'm not expecting anything. And I opened the Amazon app, and I was like, wow, I got them so quick. Yeah, like. Some packages from my house have been shipped earlier than what was listed. Yeah. Like I, I've received them like 
a day or two prior to what was listed on the app. I mean, it could be because they're overestimating, so it, it looks good on their part. But, but one-day shipping is not bad. It isn't. And this ties into like what you said with our first episode. We spoke about how Amazon was... Two weeks. Two weeks. They were really bad when it came to shipping i don't know what happened they lost their footing but they bought a bunch of stores they bought a bunch of properties yeah yeah they basically opened up i think two thousand new distribution centers across the united states one's coming here to bayonne yeah rep now everyone knows where we live nice (laughs) (laughs) but the next town over that we live in yeah so (laughs) It should be interesting. I, I, Amazon stepping up its game. Yeah. And it was a good. It was a good day. Good few days for them. I think mm-hmm. this made up for Black Friday because Black Friday is not happening this probably, year. It's probably not going to be a legitimate thing. You have like Walmart. I think they're not opening Thanksgiving not. Day. Which yeah. They sh- which which they shouldn't. I don't get how. I don't know who. Uh, completely unrelated topic. Who in their right mind? At six o'clock on a Thanksgiving night, decides you know what I'm gonna line I'm gonna line up at Walmart or Best Buy. Like you pick shop on Amazon. (laughs) You pick you pick waiting in line for a flat screen television over being with family or watching a football game. I'd I'd rather watch the football game. (laughs) I guess you need the TV to watch the football game, like. Chicken before the egg. But <laughs> nevertheless, so Amazon made a lot of money. Let's talk about stocks that have to do with money. Banks. Banks. Banks Bro, my my connections right here, my I'm, seamless transitions right here. So banks were kind of all over the place as a whole when it came to their Q3 their Q3 earnings reports. So we had a couple banks report. So Bank of America missed expectations. So Wall Street expected Bank of America to have their EPS fall 5% to 53 cents per share. In actuality, it fell even more than that to 51 cents per share. And then they expected revenue to fall 10% to 20.6 billion. It actually fell 11% to $20.3 billion. And then Wells Fargo, Lovely Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is like the odd child of the bank stocks. Like they're like, they're like the one sibling or the one uncle that's like never amounted to anything. They always mess up, but the family still accepts them. Has no wife or kids. Just exactly. (laughs) Just shows up to things unexpectedly. Gets drunk at the barbecue and acts like a a a fool himself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Wells Fargo. They expected earnings to fall tremendously to 49, 49% to 47 cents per share. Jeez. They beat earnings in a negative way because they fell even more than 49%. They fell to 42 cents per share and they expected revenue to fall to 18, fall 18% to about $18 billion. And revenue actually uh, beat earnings. They were actually up at 18.9 billion. So, that was all bad, but that wasn't all the news. That wasn't that wasn't all the news uh, connected to Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo actually hit the fire. One hundred one hundred of its employees for essentially lying about financials. They committed fraud. 
they were stealing funds that were dedicated to small businesses and victims of the coronavirus pandemic. Was it the first time uh, employees acted unethically, Anthony? Well, are you just talking about banks in general or just from Wells Fargo? No, we'll stick with Wells, uh, Wells Fargo. Well, for we can now. stick with Wells Fargo. <laughs> just, a, just a few years ago, yeah. Wells Fargo had a massive, massive uh, fraud scandal where they were just like opening accounts for like elderly people, like people who weren't checking their accounts regularly. Unknowingly opening accounts. Yeah. And they, like, so they would collect commissions commissions off every open account that they had. And this is a massive scandal. I think it was like billions, billions of dollars, I believe, were involved in the yeah. scandal. Yeah. And people getting charged service fees for not using the accounts that they didn't even open. Exactly. And <laughs> They, they recently got a new CEO last year, and many people thought, okay, it, he was, this is the turning of the ship. He was the right-hand man to uh, Jamie Dimon, I believe. He's oh, the, the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan. So many thought, okay, he was the guy. He's the guy. He's going to turn the ship around, and we have more employees committing fraud on a massive scale. A hundred employees getting caught with this is not like, it's not like one bad egg. It's like you just... Like you got a whole, whole cart, you got a whole carton of eggs that are rotten right there. So, and this is why we say ethics, ethics, ethics. <laughs> Speaking of J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan also got caught with this own uh, scandal. They had to, with they the had to, they metal, right? Huh? With the metal, the metal uh, pricing. Yeah, they were caught with some kind of shady behavior. They had to pay the biggest bank fine and. United States history, I believe. So they got the money. I mean, they have the money. They paid almost a billion dollars in fines, I believe it was, when all said and done. But that's that's not what we're talking about right now. That's not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> but they also beat expectations. Yeah, J.P. Morgan and Citigroup both beat expectations. However, that is not the big talking point here. The big talking point here is. Goldman Sachs. And what's interesting is we spoke about Goldman Sachs on one of our earlier podcasts. We should should make this a a psychic podcast at this point. Look the way we're going here. So Wall Street expected Goldman Sachs earnings to climb 12% for the quarter to $5.37 per share. Goldman Sachs actually went up to 9.68. Nine dollars and sixty-eight cents per share for its EPS. They beat earnings by over four dollars per share. Revenue was supposed to go up ten percent to about nine point two billion. It actually went up to ten point eight billion. So it beat revenue expectations by over a billion dollars during a pandemic. During a pandemic, and if we go further into the numbers. We have fixed income trading jumped up 49%. Equity trading jumped up 10%. Investment banking jumped up 7%. Asset management shot up 77%. And then wealth management jumped up 13%. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a spokesperson from JP Morgan went on uh, went on the news and the news anchor was saying, you know, the balance sheets and you know uh, and uh, expectations should be lowered because of the coronavirus, right? He said, "No, not with equity. When you invest in long-term equity, you'll be fine." 
And I mean, it goes to show, right? Like, you know, the market's been swinging up and down, up and down. And hey, these banks are still banking on their money. Yeah. And Morgan Stanley actually beat expectations too. They announced their earnings today. They beat, they beat their revenue by a billion dollars also. So they actually were up tremendously like Goldman Sachs. So they're one of the top movers of the day. I just found it interesting how well the stock has been doing. And considering that we said that they had a lot of future growth by targeting smaller consumers, yeah. maybe this has a thing to do with it. Maybe, potentially, that could have something to do with it. I agree. I agree. Because I, I, I would like to think that because we spoke about it earlier in the podcast. I want to think we were right. I mean, if not. We are fortune seekers, um, and these aren't investment advice. It's not investment advice. But these are good hunches. <laughs> we think that I think Goldman still has some potential to target yeah. some of these uh, – younger investors because not everyone invests. I believe from what I saw, I think only 60% of people or 50, what was it? It was a very low number. It was like 50% of Americans own a stock of all age groups. That's a very low number considering that how many people plan for retirement. Yeah. So I think there's still an untapped market when it comes to younger investors that Robinhood started to get into. And I think, Goldman Sachs can really get into that area. My my issue, I think, previously was I thought like the ship sailed, but with this whole Robin Hood thing happening now, maybe it's a, a time to compromise. I mean, a time to uh, take advantage because, like I said with Weeble, Goldman Sachs might have an opportunity here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe acquire, merge. I think it's, I think there that time has passed. I think uh, Robinhood's too expensive now. <laughs> hey, they're getting ready for IPO, right? Uh, probably. I not don't know about the, now, but probably not after this. <laughs> <laughs> They'll need the money to help with their security. That that is true. That is true. <laughs> so talking about security, let's talk about job security. Job security. See that transition? That was that was beautiful. So <laughs> it was unplanned. Unplanned, unplanned. But I, Nick gave me a layup. I had to take it. <laughs> so the jobless reports, jobless claims, they jumped tremendously. Jobless claims last week, it hit 898,000 in the United States. Wall Street expected it to go to be about 830,000. This is the highest level since August 22nd. And it is a sign of continuing struggles for the United States labor force. And this is not a good picture for the United States economy going forward. It's not. Considering that jobless claims are going up. We mentioned in a previous podcast about the airline companies. Yeah. Yeah. I know we were going to touch on it maybe a little bit. We weren't sure. But... Incredible sources to go on but we do know that they said october 1st they planned on laying off a bunch of people if the stimulus bill weren't passed yes the stimulus bill is still in the senate it hasn't been passed yet and it was just actually it was passed then trump said no last week so 
We're, it's still not passed. No. Did these, did these airlines fulfill their promise, lay off a bunch of people, and that's the reason why so many people are not in work right now? Yeah, no, I mean, it's only time can tell, right? Uh, I think it was American Airlines. They were supposed to uh, fire a lot of people. And, you know, it's tragic. Like, they were supposed to cut 19,000 jobs. Mm-hmm support you know payroll and and everything so you know it's only time can tell and you know it's going to be tragic yeah be tragic you know nineteen thousand people and you know i don't know if you saw but you know there's tiktoks and instagram videos and facebook videos of uh flight attendants as as they were you know approaching the runway for landing they were, you know, talking to the passengers saying, you know, thank you for, you know, flying with us. This is actually our last flight, this whole crew, because we're getting laid off. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's horrible. I just read something that 40,000 people September 30th were preparing for layoffs. So, I don't know. Of the 40,000, yeah, I don't know how many. Like you said, I couldn't find any credible sources on anyone getting laid off. We are not fake news. But the steps, yeah, we're, we're using reliable sources here, guys. Don't worry. CNN, CNBC, all these, you know. Reputable sources. Reputable. All these, all these three-letter news sources. <laughs> um, but there's no, we haven't seen an accurate report on how many people actually were laid off from this certain industry. But the steps were made or taken prior to October 1st to have all these layoffs happen. And they were talked upon back in like June, right? Before that, even they were like saying, you know, we can't fire them, but we will be firing people come October 1st. Yeah. And then you look at like other hospitality industries, uh, companies, Disney just laid off 30,000 workers. Uh, I believe that was two weeks ago. So I think there are more layoffs probably are going to happen if they have not happened already especially if this bill does not get passed so i don't know i think this is not a good sign for our economy because our economy many people thought our economy was improving like it was making its recovery i was always skeptical about it because i still have to wear a mask outside and if I, as, as long as i have to wear a mask as long as i am and I, I'm in fear of catching something when I go outside. Yeah. The economy is not going to recover. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way. If you can't continue your day-to-day operations, your day-to-day living, not how you, how, you can't, we, we're not living how we were in February. And who knows? Will we ever be? I don't think we will. Many people, I think JP Morgan said, we don't, they don't expect the economy to fully recover until 2022 yeah. or 2023. Yeah, a lot of people lost their jobs, and I think that whole stigma of is it safe for me to travel? Is it safe for me to stay at a hotel? Is it safe for me to rent a car? Yeah, things yeah. like a lot of like travel-related industries, such as like the airlines, the hotels, things like that. If they're not, if they're getting only thirty percent occupancy, why do they need a hundred percent of their workforce? Yeah, absolutely right. Lowe's here in Bayonne. Uh, someone tried to rent uh, one of those pickup trucks that they run out. 
And they said, no, we can't rent them out because of uh, COVID. And you got to think about it. You know, they're paying, you know, maintenance, uh, insurance, uh, registration, you know, all, all, all the expenses associated with having vehicles that you own mm-hmm. and you're not even getting any income from it for it. Yeah. And I guess they look at it, you know, it's cheaper if we don't rent them out than renting them out and fueling it back up and, and, you know, getting it sanitized and steamed out for the next people. And it's sad. I mean, at least luckily for them though, they've like, they've been many, many people have like been home. very like arts and craftsy yeah, home at and home. Place. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to redo my bathroom. And <laughs> Home Depot and Lowe's have actually been doing very, I think Home Depot reported one of the best quarters in this company's history. Really? Yeah. Like they're like doing very well. I just think like, they're they're doing they're performing well at the expense of other industries for yeah. sure, and Which like us to the next topic also after this. Which one? How the rich get richer. Oh, I mean, honestly, let's just talk about that now because it kind of ties into what we're talking about here. The transition. Yeah. So that was all Nick right there. <laughs> so this is something that. Uh, Nick, Nick and I, like, we text because, you know. We're friends. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> we know each other. We're not random strangers on the internet. <laughs> so, Nick, Nick texted me something to the effect of, oh, the, richer, the, the wealthy have gotten so wealthy, like, just because of this, like, the wealth had got so much more, the wealthy got so much more wealthier over the span of the last six months due to the, yeah. the pandemic. And I was like, yeah, the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. And yeah. you have to think about it. That's really true. I believe the price of, what was it? I can't, the price of like expensive homes, like the the demand for expensive homes are like at an all-time high. Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, loans, like, super cheap now, you know, with the interest rate. Yeah. A great time to buy. It is, but it's like you, the housing market has been insane. Has it's, it's, been the opposite. it's actually probably, it's like, it's the hottest it's been in recent memory. Like opposite to 08. Exactly. And you pair this with the fact that the stock market is still, the stock market is still doing very well. But fluctuating. But we're at like what, 27,000. We were at what? I think we were at 19 at the absolute lowest in March. Yeah, yeah. It is it was almost a ten thousand point rebound in the span of six, seven months. <laughs> if a lot of people who have a lot of money were able to invest it properly, put it in the right assets, and they were able to generate a lot of money as a result. However, a lot of people who are poor, like not even poor, but even middle majority income, mindset. Yeah, like the middle income America also they actually have not benefited. Like we said previously, a lot of workers lost their jobs. Yeah. Prices have gone up for some, uh, like the necessity goods. Yeah. And, and that's the problem, you know, most of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, middle-class and lower-class, you know, people, they only have one source of income. And I think there's a post, I don't know if Warren Buffett said it, but you know, if, if you have, if, 
if you have one source of income, you're one source away from uh, from being homeless. And I, I think he used the analogy as a table. You know, if you have if you have a table, you'd rather have four legs than one leg, because with one leg, you know, if you just touch it a little, it could just fall easily. But if you have four legs, you know, in a sense of four incomes, if you knock out one leg, it might wobble a little, but it'll get back in place with the other three income sources coming in. And one of the sources, dividends. You know, we've been always talking about dividends on, you know, on our podcast. And, you know, it's a great way of investing and getting money back in the process. And it's it's uh, easy to start, low cost, low barrier to entry. Fractional sh- shares, you know. Like if you're uncomfortable or don't have a lot of money, just buy a fraction of a share, whatever you can put in. Mm-hmm. And, like the, the smallest amount counts. Like it, it can make a big difference. Yes. So I found the statistic I was trying to quote before off the top of my head. So the demand for luxury homes soared 42% last quarter while affordable purchases fell 4%. Oh, shoot. So people are buying mansions, not one-family houses. Not even that. Like, consumer spending for lower-income Americans has actually gone down 4%, while the rich are buying mansions and yachts and all these luxuries. So it shows how the lower class, the middle class, have really suffered over the past six, seven months, and... I, I've been saying this, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but the stock market does not demonstrate how well the economy is doing. Oh, it's not. It's we have not. eight, we have 800,000 people who are still unemployed. We have our unemployment still relatively high. We have not gone back down to the 3% mark that we were at in March. So I think this is not a, uh, this is not a, um, Direct correlation. Yeah, the stock market does not necessarily show how well the no. economy is doing overall, especially when you consider that the the five biggest companies on the on the S and P five hundred represent almost like thirty percent of the entire index, yeah. like Apple, Google, Netflix, Amazon, like Microsoft. They represent a majority of the uh, well, not majority, but a good chunk of the entire index. And they're doing so, great. All those companies are up, I think, over 50% for the year. So that's why the S&P 500, it's up almost. <laughs> yeah, it's up 20% of the year. But if you look at all these blue chip dividend stocks or non-tech related stocks, they're up maybe like 6% or about something like that. AT&T. But it's, it's basically like a good analogy is you have a bucket, right? And there's a tiny hole under it but you're filling it up with gallons of water. Yeah. It looks great, but you're still losing water. Yeah. It's not great. Exactly. That was pretty, that was, that was, good job, Nick. That was pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you cut off the flow of water, you eventually, you know, end up losing. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think this is something we're not necessarily addressing. We're like, oh, the economy is doing so well. The economy is doing so well. We're rebounding. We're making it to come back. But, we just we just mentioned jobs jobs are where people are still losing jobs that could continue to happen many poor people are still unable to make uh necessary purchases or not even necessary purchases but like 
discretionary purchases because they don't have the the free the discretionary income to make these like luxurious uh, purchases hopefully they're saving hopefully that's maybe is a caveat maybe that's the the true cause of this Uh, maybe maybe not i would say not because amazon had a tremendous amazon prime day (laughs) apparently but another big thing is if these people are really losing their jobs they're suffering they're not able to spend more the coronavirus relief bill has still not been passed for a second wave. So I think we're in murky waters right now. And I think many people are trying to paint it otherwise. No, no, I, I agree. I think if I remember correctly, uh, Murphy, which is our New Jersey governor, he is partnering with FEMA Um to subsidize some of the um, unemployment benefits, if I remember correctly, that New Jersey will fork up the 300 and FEMA will fork up another 300, $300. Hmm. So, I mean, that's something, you know, it's, it's not much, but it's honest pay. And the issue here is, is like, what is the real solution in this? Because many people going into this pandemic were discussing, okay, well, there's a a wealth gap. And if the wealthy are getting even more wealthy and the poor are getting poorer, is this wealth gap actually increasing? Like, are we actually leading to a greater gap between the higher upper class and the lower class? in the United States. I think these are very good questions. I don't know what the solution would be. Is taxing millionaires at a higher tax bracket? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know what that, I don't think the long-term benefits of that really show the, the progress you want. So, I mean, not in my, my thesis, I'm I'm talking about uh, (laughs) financial literacy and how that plays a big role in uh, all these all this stuff the wealth gap and everything of that nature you know maybe you can check it out one day when i finish it you know might be a publication might be a might might publish it who knows we'll see so there's that but we spoke a little bit on financial literacy i guess we might as well just talk about our financial literacy topic and so nick i'll let you take a a swing do you want to go with tax or do you want to go with my personal finance category we'll start uh, we'll start with your personal and then okay it off with tax all right so many so, people so like nick was saying many people they work for their income and they don't let their money work for them and i think many people who like very wealthy people they have multiple streams of income they don't necessarily work for their money anymore they work at their own discretion yeah. Right. They could retire. They don't want to. So I think the main, the core principle of this is knowing the difference between an asset and a liability. Yeah. If you're an accounting major and I ask you what an asset and a liability are, you're going to be like, well, an asset is anything of value that I own. And a liability is basically any debt or obligation that I have. Yeah. And if you're in an accounting class, you get an A plus. However, if you read rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki, you would know that that's not the case. 
An asset is anything that puts money in your pocket and a liability is anything that takes money out of your pocket. So what would an asset be? An asset would be a stock, a bond, a rental property that you're collecting monthly uh, rent from. Yeah. But what would a liability be? A liability would be a car. Car loan. Just a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah gas. Because Reg- you have gas, registration, insurance, insurance, all that stuff. But in accounting, that would be an asset. Yeah, yeah. And there's the depreciation of the value of the car. It's, it drops 10 to 20% as soon as you take it off the lot. Yeah, yeah. So hard. having a primary residence that doesn't generate you any income because you have to pay all the utilities and property tax on the property in addition to a mortgage. Yeah. So many people see, oh, I'm buying a house. I'm buying a car. That ups my net worth. Your net worth is meaningless. The cash flow your assets can generate you is all what really matters at the end of the day. If I have a rental property that's generating me a thousand dollars a month, that's an extra twelve thousand dollars a year in my pocket that I can invest in more property. I can use it to pay my expenses at my other house, things of that nature. If I have, I don't know, a twelve. If I have a one million dollar home that I'm living in, my net worth's over a million dollars, but it's I'm not. Enough. I'm not selling the house anytime soon, and I have to pay. If you're in our area, you have to pay like $20,000 plus a year in property taxes, plus utilities. If you have a TV, you got to pay your TV bill. If you have a car, you got to pay your car bills. Like all that adds up. So you want to buy enough assets that generate you income and that income can allow you to buy liabilities and pay off those. Use the assets to generate the income to pay for your expenses. That's pretty much the takeaway here. Many people. Maybe even think about, you know, instead of buying a single family house to live in, buy an apartment building, live in the apartment building and rent out the other units. Yeah. It's called house hacking, guys. You you buy a multifamily unit. You buy, you live in one of the several units in the property and you allow the other rents, the, the other properties you allow, you allow that rent that you collect to pay off all of your expenses, including the mortgage. The mortgage literally pays for itself. The property is paying for itself in that sense. So you have to be a little creative, a little crafty when it comes to this, but you have to have an understanding of what the two differences are. Sh- should you buy liabilities? Could you buy liabilities? You definitely could buy liabilities. I think liabilities are, I think liabilities make life a little more enjoyable, like buying a vacation, Going on a vacation, somewhat it's pretty much a liability. I think people should go on vacations. Like I think seeing things, experiencing things, enjoying yourself, that's definitely a, a positive. Hmm? A mental health break. Exactly. I think things like that are necessary. A yeah. car is necessary. Buying your dream house at some point, definitely go for it. You just need to be in the right financial standing to be able to do so. Like you have enough assets that generate you the cash flow to make these purchases actually fiscally reasonable and responsible you also got to remember you know you can't take your money with you when you die so i mean you you use the money responsibly but you know once in a while you want to get something you want yeah live but, your life you know, be, yeah live your life just as, you know make as sure rihanna you once said, to do it as rihanna once said live your life a a a so yeah that was my rant now nick you can go on your rant yes yes you know Tax, you know, I try to incorporate at least one topic into tax. You know, you know how they spell tax, right? 
right at? You would spell T-A-X? No, it's F-U-N. Oh, my bad. (laughs) So, so today's tax topic, we're going to be discussing the difference between what a tax deduction is and what a tax credit is. So a tax deduction um, is basically what the name of it is. Like it's in the name. You're getting, you're deducting your taxable income. And you know, some common examples that we all know of that can deduct our, um, our, our uh, taxable income is the standard deduction. You know, a lot of W-2 employees that, you know, don't own a home, like, you know, generally, um, you know, students or, you know, uh, single people that, you know, rent an apartment. Um, they don't have a lot of, you know, like, you know, if you rent, you know, you don't have a payroll, uh, property tax. You know, you could get a tax deduction with your property taxes up to $10,000 through this uh, new, you know, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that Trump, Trump did when he got elected. You know, it kind of hurts people that live in Hudson County and, you know, Bergen County. You know, it hurts people all over the place because, you know, you limit yourself to 10000 rather than the 20000 that most people pay. But you still get a tax deduction of the 10000 And I got a little sidetracked. I'm going to bring it back. So that being said, that $10,000 that you have, right? It lowers your taxable income by $10,000 if you choose that route. Or the standard deduction that most people do, I believe it's at $12,000. So you lower, a standard person would lower their income by $12,000 and then get the taxes they owe or a refund. But we'll stick with taxes that they owe, which is usually a percent based on how much money you made throughout the year. What a tax credit is, it lowers the tax you owe. And you know, you, you know, as, as a normal person or as a college student, you can get that as a college student. It's uh, form 1098 T. Your college usually sends it to you during tax time. And you know, it can potentially give you a tax credit. Um, and what that does for that instance, as a student, it's a refundable tax credit, which means it'll lower your, the amount of taxes you owe and whatever's left, they give it to you as a refund, which is great. You know, most people say, you know, what's the difference and, and, you know, which one's more beneficial and, you know, there's obviously, you know, different, different, um, situations. And most situations, uh, you know, go for tax credits because when you lower your taxable income with a tax deduction by like, let's say a hundred dollars, you're, you're, you're basing it off of a percent. So let's say, you know, your tax rates at 20%, you're just lowering your taxable income by a hundred and then times it by the 20% as opposed to a tax credit where you lower your tax amount owed by a hundred dollars that has more substantial um, method than having a tax deduction. And I hope that that explained it well. I understood it. And I mean, if anyone has any questions, Anthony puts our 
Instagram in the bottom. Yeah. All 20 listeners. All yeah. 20 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I also took a, uh, a tax course, so I'm a little a little biased, but... You're advanced. You're advanced yeah. on this topic. Yeah, but I... Uh, I, mean, I don't know how advanced. I don't know how well how well I did in that course, but sorry, <laughs> there. But yeah, I think it's important to know the difference and to know exactly. you have have an idea of your tax planning. You know, you know, tax taxes are there. You know, like they say, there's only two things we truly know in life: death and taxes. Exactly. So it it, it pays off to be a little knowledgeable of the subject. I mean, should you always contact an accountant to prepare your taxes? Probably not. I mean, but if you're unsure, definitely go to a you know an accountant. He yeah. may cost a hundred dollars, but if you get audited, it's gonna cost you way more. It was it was money well spent. It was money well spent. That that's a good liability to have. That's mm. a good liability. Hey, and you can write off the the money you pay for the. What do you mean? Oh, no. No, I don't think so. I think you can. Like, like you can't, like, TurboTax, like, accounting products, you can't write it off anymore. But like if I, like, if I go to, like, if I go to a CPA. I'm pretty sure you can't. I think consulting fees are, you're able to write off. I mean, it's not really consulting fees preparing your tax. I think tax prep is. No, it's not. I, I, I know for a fact it's not. It's not? Okay. Guys, you see, I'm not that. I, I'm pretty sure it's not. So um, we're going to retract. Yeah, we are no longer deductible from your taxes due to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Oh, so what, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was. Okay. That's why okay. I said not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Okay. So yeah. guys, I'm not a complete idiot right now. I, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just behind on the times. <laughs> That's the thing with taxes. Laws always change. Yeah. Always. So maybe it's. I reach out to a tax professional. We are not tax professionals as of yet. We're so, students. Yeah. I mean, on the way though, on the way. We're getting there. <laughs> so there are two quick topics I wanted to cover before we wrap up here. And the big one being Apple. Apple. Apple had a second event. So they announced they're having a second event a few weeks there. a few weeks after the first event. And this one had big expectations. And I personally think they met the hype. They did. They did. And Compared to the last event where we expected the hype and didn't get it. Yeah. So for one, we predicted this. We yeah. said many people were upset that the last event didn't feature an iPhone with a 5G uh, capabilities didn't didn't even prevent uh, present an iPhone like period yeah so many yeah. people are like that's kind of upsetting and then they took all third party speaker softwares out of their Apple stores and many people were like you know what they're gonna launch a speaker and we spoke about that last episode and what yeah. did they do they launched a speaker. they launched a, a new speaker a smart speaker and they launched a new iPhone with 5G capabilities so yeah. we were two for two on that end. We're happy as Apple investors. Yes, we are. So they launched two new products. They launched a streaming service, the last event prior to this. So Apple has actually a pretty decent lineup going into the 2020 holiday season. 
So I think that'll be interesting. I, many people were a little like they were. I don't know. Did they clarify about the charger with the iPhone 12? I mean, I've been hearing tons of things that they removed the charger, didn't remove the charger. I tried looking at the iPhone like underneath it. I could, I couldn't tell to be honest. There were, I saw people said they they're getting rid of the headphones that come with the iPhone. Oh, maybe that's what they were talking about. But I'm like, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Because I know that they have a turbo, like a very fast wireless charger that like syncs. Yeah. Straight to the phone when connected. So who knows? Maybe they. I feel like the wireless chargers are just so underused. I always, I love, I can't live without my uh, wireless charger. I, and I feel like, uh-huh. Like I've never used it. Like my phone, I believe is capable. Oh, really? Like I think my phone's able to use it. I just never used it. They say that, you know, it also helps with your, with your water resistant material in your phone. Because every time you plug in your charger, you know, it keeps scratching or like rubbing uh-huh. against the material. So if you just, you know, wirelessly charge it, you know, nothing gets screwed up really per se. Hmm. Yeah. Never thought of that. <laughs> Makes sense. I, have tr- I So one takeaway here is I have to try a wireless speak- a wireless charger for my phone. And second, the Apple is really, it does? Yeah, is it? I also I also heard that it might be like a. Oh, it has a USB. Wait, so, huh? It's a USB C. No. Yes. No, it's, not. it's still a lightning charging port. But no, no. But the cable itself will be a USB. Like it connects to a USB C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, it was like for a MacBook or a MacBook. Yeah. Power brick. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's a bummer. But now you have to fully integrate yourself into the uh the Apple ecosystem. Apple ecosystem. <laughs> but I think it's positive going in that you have that 5G yeah. uh, device. I've, I've seen advertisements for it everywhere now, ever since it was launched. <laughs> they have an ad with Chris Rock. That's, oh. uh, yeah, I just got that on YouTube a little before this video, <laughs> uh, before this recording. So, yeah, Apple looking hot, going, getting, uh, trying to pick up some steam after having a little downturn over the past few weeks. Yeah. Going into the holiday season. And then lastly, before we wrap up, this is actually, I did not mention this at the top of the podcast, but Johnson and Johnson and Eli Lilly both ended clinical trials. Well, they paused. They paused paused them. Yeah. Because, so Johnson and Johnson had a placebo group and a a test, like a, a control group for like vaccine, for a vaccine for COVID-19. Someone in one of the groups caught an unknown illness. Yeah. And they're unsure if it had anything to do with the trial because they don't know if it were the the placebo or the control group. Hmm. If it were the control group, that means that the vaccine that Johnson and Johnson gave to these individuals could have actually led to a side effect. And if that's the case, then this is getting backtracked months upon months. And Eli Lilly paused their trials also as a result of this. So this may not be a good thing for Americans and the broader like 
the rest of the world. But Oxford, I heard, actually it made a breakthrough today with their trial. Gotta love the really? British. Gotta love the Brits. Yeah, beautiful campus. Cambridge's campus is nicer, though. I didn't say. <laughs> Who said I, that? I, I do agree. I do I, agree. Yeah. Anthony and I visited on the school trip. Yeah, we were visiting. You know, we were going to apply, but now yeah, You can't apply to both, fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. You cannot apply to Oxford and Cambridge. You can only apply to one or the other. They talk to each other. They're like, hey, did Anthony apply to you? No way. He applied to me too. <laughs> Let's both reject him. Okay. <laughs> Clap. High fives. <laughs> Claps in British. <laughs> But yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, both stocks. I mean, Johnson Johnson actually uh, finished up on the day, or like slightly down on the day because they actually had a breakthrough with one of their cancer drugs, so it kind of negated one another. But it should be interesting how it plays forward, uh, plays out. Uh, all these pharmaceutical companies are claiming that they have some breakthrough. I think it's all hype to pump the stock. C- Merck CEO Kenneth Frazier has said that, that these. The farm farmer stocks need to stop doing this, but here we are, seven months after, and they're still continuing to spread false positivity out there. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's what they think the people need. I want like actual. I want. Them. I want positivity grounded in truth. <laughs> I I'm want t- vaccines out and ready. <laughs> well, another thing is, if they actually release a vaccine. I think 80% of Americans said they would not take it. <laughs> I mean, because you really don't know the side effects. Yeah, and I don't trust it. Using it. Like, you know, how, how are they going to be testing the vaccines through the production? Yeah, like, am, am I a test subject? Am I being a test subject here? To be like, like, hey, Anthony, look at your contact info, check in in a couple of days. Let's see how everything went. <laughs> like, vaccines get recalled. Like, it's happened before. And if you're, like, administering this to everyone. And th- you can't sue anyone. Like, like these, these big pharma companies have legal protection over this. Yeah. There's some sort of fund within the state that they create, you know, for, like, you know, lawsuits. They aren't personally, you know, corporate liable. This isn't some baby powder asbestos lawsuit. No, you can't. This is <laughs> this is the real deal. Yeah. And I guess only time will tell, right? It should, like I said, should be interesting how everything plays out. But yeah, it was a very interesting weekend, uh, the, the market. I think we hit all the main topics. We discussed some personal finance. Which is great. Yeah, Nick, is there anything else you want to touch on before we uh, wrap up here? No, no, I think, you know, we definitely did a great job today. And, you know, it's, it's, all, it's only going to get better from here. Exactly. See, this is the optimism I want. Grounded in truth <laughs> right there. But yeah, if there's yeah. nothing else, uh, I think it's time to let's wrap everything up. So I'm going to put all this information in the description of the podcast. But, you know, there's a website. Check that out. There is a YouTube channel by me. You can check that out. Nick also has a YouTube channel in the works. Uh, that'll also be in the description of the video. You can check that out. What else? Our Instagrams. 
Say that again. No, no, there's there's one video out. What is accounting? See, he's he's more, putting in the work. More, more, he's putting in the work. Uh, uh, you'll get most of what we've talked about: what assets are, liabilities are, and some go you know further into depth with accounting. So we'll see, see how it goes. For all those aspiring accountants out there, you know, struggling in your accounting one on one, Nick right here, the big four auditor right here. Um, all the social medias will be in the description: Instagram, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, all that. Visco, yeah. Visco, uh, TikTok, TikTok, yes, follow his TikTok. Yeah, Yik Yak, all that will be in the description of the video. Um, OnlyFans. OnlyFans. It's in the works, in the works. Okay. <laughs> Pending approval. Yeah, these, I, I got my toes all pretty for nothing. Uh, but, all right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Common Sense Finance Podcast. Until next time, I'm Anthony. This is Nick. And, yeah, we'll see you. Take it easy. Yeah. Nick and I are not certified financial professionals. All things said in this podcast are opinions expressed by me and Nick, contributors to the Common Sense Finance platform. The information provided is not a research report or financial advice. It should not be used as the basis to buy or sell a security, nor is it an offer to buy or sell a security.